afternoon. We all survived the heat. I will say that I prefer heat way more than cold. I don't even go outside in the winter unless I have to. I'm looking forward to my daughter having her license because I can be like, take the car. I'm not even picking you up at school. Like, it will be my goal to, like, if it's not 30 degrees or more, I will not be going outside. That's my, like, goal in life. Yeah, I know. I keep asking the Lord when he's going to call me to, like, somewhere like Hawaii or, like, you know, and, and, you know. Hasn't happened yet, but I can just keep praying, right? So I actually enjoyed the heat um, because I went to the beach. Hopefully you guys all got to stay out of the heat some some way, maybe sitting in the air conditioning, whatever. Um, but it was a good week. We waited a long time for some warmth. It was nice. I enjoyed it. I hope you guys did too. So um, it's been a couple of weeks since I've talked about God Unboxed, but I'm going to continue with that because there's a lot of things I think that we have um, thought about God or we have even yet to even ever think about God. Like we've thought and said, well, this is where you are and this is where you stay, or we never even realized that God does certain things. So I want to keep unboxing it. Um, I love doing this series because God speaks to me um, when I'm doing this and I'm learning new things and I'm thinking, Lord, I've been a Christian a long time. And he's like, not long enough. Because there's so much. I, I mean, you could be like, some people, they get saved, they, they meet Jesus. Like, my kids met Jesus when they were, like, little, right? So they were, like, little kids. They probably can't remember what life was like before Jesus because, you know, they went right from, like, hey, I realized I sinned. Mom, what do I do? It feels terrible. Oh, let me, here's Jesus, you know. So they've got that. They were little. They've been walking with him a long time. Some of us were teenagers, and we got an opportunity to remember what it feels like to be without Jesus, right? Or maybe we were older, maybe we were in our 20s or 30s or whatever. And um, what I thought I knew about God when I was 16, I got saved in April 1997. I was 15 years old, and I remember being 16. Um, and I was at my mom's church. Well, it was my church at the time. It was a Catholic church. And I thought, well, I got saved now. Now I know about Jesus. And um, I was like, I thought it was cool because I could correct, you know, here's this priest. I'm correcting you. The Bible doesn't say that. You know, I'm being, I'm being a little, um, I hadn't learned about pride yet in the word. But I had learned about like, you know, they told me that Mary was also without sin. I was like, I don't remember Jesus saying that. And I just thought, there's more to know. Like, I, like, they were serving, they were serving God and doing stuff, but there were still things that they were unraveling. And I, I was serving God at this time, but there were still things that I was unraveling. I didn't know. You know, of course, if, when I was 15, I thought I knew. I found out, like, when I had children, there was a lot I didn't know. You know, and then I feel like every year I'm like, I don't know if I'm, no, I'm getting to know more or, or there's more that I'm realizing it's just getting bigger, right? It's getting bigger. The, there's more that God wants me to unbox. There's more he has for me. I thought I was living in the blessing. I thought I was living in the overflow. I thought I was living in the abundance of God, and I realized there's more. It's, I can't even comprehend it. So I'm going to talk about the Trinity today. Um, growing up, the only thing I knew about the Trinity was a song called Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, Blessed Trinity. That's it. 
I didn't know what it was, and then I also knew that I did, like, I got to read, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Like, I didn't even know. That's all I knew. I was like, I know I do three things. That's it. That's what I knew the Trinity was. I didn't really understand who God was. I didn't really understand who Jesus was, except for on a cross. And we called it the Holy Ghost, and that's scary to a child. Because my brothers tormented me with, like, ghost stories. And so when they're like, oh, just let the Holy Ghost in, I'm like, no, have you seen? Like, I have seen the worst scary movies. Like, my brothers thought it was okay to, like, hey, she's five. She can watch Pet Cemetery, Freddy Krueger, all of those things, Nightmare on Elm Street. So, like, I, I had a lot of fear growing up because um, the Lord gave me brothers that were older. Um, so I didn't really understand what the, that meant. And as I got further in the Lord, I started realizing, okay, there's three parts, you know, and you learn things about them. And I'm, I want to continue just sharing with you guys. So basically we have the Trinity, which is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Father, he works for us. You know, he created the heavens and the earth. He gave us everything. He wants good for us. In the Son, he worked amongst us. He became um, God in the flesh as a person. And he died for us. And the Spirit works within us. Jesus says, I got to go so, it can, so you can actually have a better life. I'm going to give you something even more powerful than me being on this earth. And he gave us the Holy Spirit. Um, and when we look at that, if we look at how the Holy Spirit lives in us, it's the presence of God living in us. Did you guys know that? The presence of God lives in you if you have the Holy Spirit. If you are saved and you know Jesus, and you've accepted him in your life, then you have the Holy Spirit. And that means God, the Father, lives in you. And basically, everything in life at that point gets reduced to one thing. How well are you stewarding the presence of God? That's it. Once we're saved, that's it. That's all. You can just, everything, how you raise your kids, how you, how you work, um, you know, how you handle finances, everything can get reduced. How you handle the presence of God will affect everything else. And I think sometimes when we forget about that, um, we get overwhelmed, we get stressed out, we um, forget that God gave us a helper. There's a lot of times I have felt like, where is the Holy Spirit? Because I'm not acting like it, I'm, you know... Uh, have anxiety about stuff, or um, I'm angry, or all of these things. And at that moment, I realized I'm just not stewarding the presence very well. I need to get back to that. And to get back to that, I have to know what I'm stewarding. I have to understand the Holy Spirit. I have to understand what Jesus did for me. I have to understand who God is. All right, this ain't going very well, so I'm going to pray. The Lord said, I'm, I'm just going to pray because I think that um, I need that. We all need that. So I'm just going to pray. And if you guys could just agree with me, that'd be really great. So, Lord, I just thank you for this day. We just ask for fresh revelation here today. We ask you that you move in three persons in one that. You know, we see the goodness of you, God, and we see um, what your son has done and given us, and we just ask you to just move and manifest um, through your person of the Holy Spirit today. We just ask that to just uh, just be such amazing revelation that we go out with joy and anticipation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it'll go better. So, so we're going to talk about God the Father. 
in this house, I know in this house, if I say God is, you'll probably say, God is good. Okay. Yeah, my life, like, hopefully, hopefully we know God is good. All right, we're going to wake up. We're going to try. God is good. Yeah, we're betting better. <laughs> okay, God, who would you like me to talk to today? <laughs> we know God is good. We talk about his goodness you know, we're not worried like, oh, no, I came in here and I sinned this week and, you know, is a lightning bolt going to hit me as I walk in? Or, or God did this to me. He made me sick. We aren't worried about that in this house, right? Do we know that? We know God is always good. If you don't know that, there's your revelation today. God is good. That's simple. Three words. God is good. Take that. So, but that's not everywhere. That's not everywhere on this earth. Most people see God as, you know, vengeful and wrathful and that he wants, you know, to, he's on you and he's just like holding you under his finger like, you better be good and if you don't, this is going to happen to you and you did this so I'm taking this from you. And that's how people see God sometimes. Like in movies, that's how he's portrayed, right? Like, God, please help me. You shouldn't because I'm terrible and horrible and I'm worth nothing. But if, if you just, if you do this, I'll do anything for you. And, we, and the, you know, we see people bartering with God like we have something that we can give to God. Like he created everything. He's God. So we don't, when we talk about the Trinity, sometimes we see God like that. And we forget that, you know, God is good. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He saved all humanity. Come on, that's a pretty big deal. And he wants a relationship with us. With us. He's like, I want to choose you to have a relationship with. He could have stayed in heaven and been like, these angels, have you heard their voices? They sing to me. Whoo, it's beautiful. Right? He could have said, I'm going to create all the animals on the earth. You know, how good would that, when you come home, and your, your dog could get into something. You yell at them, and two minutes later, they're like, I love you still. You, you know, you give them the cheapest dog food, and they're like, you are the best person in the world. Like, you give them the piece of steak you don't want, like the little piece of fat, and they're like, oh, they just love me so much. I mean, God could have chose, like, you know, maybe I'd rather have animals. They just seem to always love you, right? But no, he chose humans, and he said, I'm going to give them the choice, too. And I'm pretty sure, like, Michael Archangel's like, God, are you sure about this? You want to give them a choice? You know, have you seen the choice? You know, they're not really great at making good choices yet. Like, are you really sure that you want to give these people the choice? You know, it started with Adam and Eve. You see what happened? One choice? Come on, God. But he did. He said, no, I want to give them all choice. Every single one of them, I want to give them the choice to love me and choose me because I want relationship with them. I'm pretty sure the angels were like, I don't know about this. <laughs> but God's like, no, that's what I want. They're like, but but a lot of them are going to turn against you, God. And he's like, I know. A lot of them are, are going to deny you, God. And he said, I know. They're actually going to try to work against you, God. And he's like, I know. He knew all of that. There's nothing new that we're telling God. But in that, he is so good and so powerful, and he wants a relationship with us. Now think about this. Think about if, like, presidents on these earth wanted to be your friends, or the kings and queens were like, I want you to be my best friend. 
Or what about the like most influential actors and actresses or inventors? You know, what if like the Elon Musks and the Bill Gates are like, I want you to be my best friend. And you know what that means? I'm going to share in my wealth. How many of you guys know all those people I named are very wealthy? How would you like to be best friends? And they're like, hey, you know, you're getting, you know, for Christmas, you're not getting a homemade cookie box. You know, you're getting a new car. How good, because you're friends with me. You're going to share in their wealth. You're going to share in their wisdom. You're going to share in their influence. That sounds good, right? Would you guys like to have a few friends like that? Hey, oh, you have debt? Not anymore. You're my best friend. It's gone. That would be pretty amazing to have, like, your handful of friends being people that are influential like that. But God says he's our friend. So you have the most influential person, being, I should say, that wants to be your friend. So we think that sounds good, sharing the wealth. God said he is sharing. He is providing in everything. He is sharing in his wealth. He's sharing his wisdom. He's sharing in his favor. He's sharing in his grace. He does all of that. So we get excited if someone's like our friend that can help us out, and it feels good, and they provide for our needs. But we have God who does that all the time. We have God who does that all the time. We are the only part of creation that God said he wanted to have a relationship with. So when we look at God, it's not about God up in heaven looking down and just, you know, moving us like chess pieces. He said, I want to have a relationship with humanity. That's the only part of, relation, of, of creation I want to have in relationship with. I want to walk with and talk with. That's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He walked with them, he talked to them. How was your day, you know? You go, how, you know, how was the weather? I know, it's always perfect. I created the garden, it's so good. You know, he, he did that. He said, I just want to have relationship with you. And he gave us choices, and he gave us the ability to worship him or not. And I'm going to be in John, if you want to follow, follow along, for 23 and 24. And it says, But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now. And when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Worshiping him, that's a choice we get. I don't mean just singing worship songs. God does love that. So um, not downplaying that, but I'm talking about our lifestyle of worship. And that comes through, you know, relationship. Our relationship with God has to be developed and protected. How many of you guys fight for relationship with your kids? Nothing, I will tell you. My kids are the most important thing in my life. And obviously, Matt, but I'm talking about, like, how God would see us as a father and a son. You know what I mean? I'm, not, I'm saying, I'm trying to get the illustration of being, you know, your children to, like, God, we are his children. Nothing's going to keep me from my kids. They can do the worst thing, and I'm going to love them. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to learn how to cultivate that relationship. I'm going to make, spend time. I'm going to teach them. But I have to work at that. I have to develop that. I can't, you know, let, if they go to the room and close their door every day and I don't go and give them a hug or say anything good to them or encourage them, I'm not going to have a very strong relationship with them. If I punish them more than I, I encourage them, 
I'm not going to have a very good relationship with them. If I cut them down or make fun of them or tell them, you know, you better do this better and, and why haven't you done this and you need to do this, you know, at a higher level, that is not going to develop a very good relationship with my children, right? But we kind of do that with God. We go in our room and we shut the door and we're like, I don't want to hear what you have to say, God. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own way. And God just keeps coming. He just keeps coming. But we're not reciprocating. You know, my kids have to open the door. They have, you know, if, you know, if I have to fight them to hug them. I mean, sometimes I do. I make my children still hug and kiss me. And, you know, they do. It's a joke, but they, they, they love hugs from their mom. Who wouldn't? But I have to protect that and develop that. And so when God comes to us and he's knocking and saying, hey, I want to talk to you, if we keep turning up our music, you know, all the things that are going on in life and it gets louder, we're not protecting that relationship. And it's really great when you go to church and, you know, you need prayer for something and people are laying hands on you and, and they're praying and you're seeing things happen. And God says, you know, when you, we can impart our anointing on people, right? We, God talks about numerous times in his word how laying on of hands, you know, you're going to receive something, you're going to receive gifts, you're going to receive anointings, and we do that. But people, even the most powerful people can lay hands on you and they can share in their anointing, but they cannot give you their history with God. That's the difference where people, you think, how can they come in and know Jesus and turn around and go out into the world and be different? How can they not have a hunger for him? Because you can pray for them, you can speak good over people, you can share Jesus, but you cannot give them your history with God. That is made between you and God when no one is watching. You know, in those moments, are you actually praying or are you just saying that you're praying because it looks good when you're at church? No, we're talking about your history with God is made not by out in public. It is made in the private times. That is the only time you can make history with God. The public is just our profession of faith. It's not what's really inside. So you can't get that just by someone praying for you, you can give other people anointing, but you can't give them your history. And that's what we're looking for to host the presence of God. You need to have a history with God. So how do you make a history with God, right? You're thinking, oh, do I have a history with God? God, do we have a history, right? Are you thinking that? I was thinking that. When, I, when God spoke that to me, I thought, what's in our history? Like, what do we have what do I have when no one else was with me? But what we know is God's presence comes through prayer and praise, doesn't it? Open my gates with thanksgiving and praise. We want to get to God. We want God, you know, to have that relationship. He said, worship me. Now, it's easy to think, well, I do that. I come to church. I do four songs. Um, you know, I open my Bible. I do a one-page devotional every day. I know God. Okay? But really, it's not in the discipline of knowing God. It's in the passion of knowing God. That's where you make the history. Someone can do a devotional every day, and they seem super on fire, like, oh, I just love God, and they're talking about it all the time. 
but that in, inward peace, that faith that they have, that, they, that time they spent with the Lord on their own really wasn't that strong. There was no passion to it. And that's why you can say, yeah, you could, it's easy to see why people turn one way or another. Because it's the history of God that keeps you with God. It's not the discipline. It's always the passion. Discipline at times can feel like a punishment, right? <laughs> like when you're like, I should get up and take my dogs for a walk, cause I, but I also want to sleep in. Right? It's Saturday. I want to do this. You know, all of those things, like I should order a salad, but a burger and fries looks really good. Doesn't it feel like a punishment? Like you order the salad and everyone around you is eating a burger and fries, and then you're like, you're like sadly eating it like, I should have got a burger and fries. <laughs> and then you feel bad. Um, sometimes discipline can feel like that. And so if our relationship with God is focused only on discipline, we're not going to truly know him because it's just going to be things we do. Because God is passionate, he's kind, he's loving, he's powerful, just all wrapped up in one. And it says that God's kingdom is established on the praises of his people. That's us. In Psalms 22.3 it says, Yet I know the plan, yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable you are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. God enthroned is surrounded with the songs amongst, and the shouts of praise. Not, I'm barely singing and worshiping. I don't want anyone to hear me. Mouthing the words, watermelon. You know what I mean? No, he says, surrounded with songs among the, living among the shouts of praise to the princely people. God never does anything like little. This is big. And it says that, you know, his kingdom is established there. If you want to be in the kingdom of God, it's always going to start with worship. To experience God, and not that God who just throws lightning bolts, you know, at you, it means that you need to create an environment of worship. That's how you go beyond your intellect and your natural ability to experience. You need to experience a supernatural God. If you haven't experienced God supernaturally, look back and see if you're living in discipline or you're living in passion. Because to get God out of that box, you have to live supernaturally because God is supernatural. He, he created the natural from the supernatural. He spoke it. God is first supernatural. So we know that we need relationship, worship, praise will, unbo- will unbox you so that you can really experience the presence of God. So we have God. Then we have Jesus. But I'm still going to talk about God. There are three in one, right? Because God is so good to us. We rejected the relationship he created for us. And when we did that, he made a way for us to come back through his son Jesus to walk among us as man and gave himself up for us. Who would say that's a good God? That's a good God. Sometimes I don't want to give five minutes up of, you know, like if I'm watching a show, it's like, oh, a phone call. We're like, you get it. You get it. I don't want to give you five minutes. And he's like, I'm going to give you my son. So good. Because man had no direct 
access to God at that point. Because sin separated us. And Jesus comes in, and he sets the stage for this new season of freedom, to be back in right standing with God like it was in the Garden of Eden where we walked in relationship with God every day. They had, there was no direct access, and then Jesus came, and he was the direct access back to God, back to relationship. And Jesus came, made, Jesus' presence made humanity hungry for God again. When you think about that, the disciples, okay, they're just living life. And Jesus is like, hey, you, come here. Stop everything. Quit your job. Leave your family. I want you to follow me. If someone did that to us, we would not follow them, right? We'd be like, what is going on? Like if somebody walked off the street and said, hey, why don't you just to leave everything, leave your family, quit your job today, sell your house, just follow me. Seems weird. It even seems weird that God would choose that, right? We're thinking... That's how you're going to do that? But when Jesus spoke to the disciples, something came alive in them. That following him was the easy and obvious choice. They didn't sit there and think about it. They're like, leave my nets. I'm out of here. I'm with you, Jesus. They knew the presence of God was in Jesus, that they knew that he was the obvious choice, and they left everything to follow him because something came alive in them again. That separation that was going on with humanity, here you have Jesus and it becomes alive in you again. In his presence, their life now had meaning and everything else seemed to no longer carry the significance it once had. We look at our life and we look what's important and we think, could I do that? Could I just walk away? But it was because it was the presence of Jesus. It made them hungry. Nothing else mattered at that moment. When you're in the presence of Jesus, nothing else really matters. That's the difference. When you're in the presence of Jesus, nothing else really matters but being in the presence of Jesus. And what Jesus did was he brought, when he brought salvation... Before we were saved, we were performing to find out who we were, who our identity was. Oh, you fish? You're a fisherman. You know, you're a farm? You're a farmer. You know, you have kids? You're a mom or a dad. And we got our identity from what we were doing, and this is what we said we were. Did you notice in the Bible, when before Jesus went to the cross, it always said, you know, Peter the fisherman, Zacchaeus the tax collector, you know, um, the, the Roman soldier, it always went identified by their job or what they were doing. Because their identity, they didn't know their identity because they lost that relationship with God and Jesus brought back identity. And he's like, get out of there, I'm going to tell you who you are. The woman at the well, she said, here's my identity. He said, actually, here's your identity. That's what Jesus did for us. Above all else, he brought us, salvation was a moment he brought us and said, now you're back with God. But what he gave us is our identity back. He 
He revived our true identity, and now we perform from who we are in Christ, and and our identity, basically, our identity creates our performance. Does that make, we do things because of who we are, we don't, because of what we are, say that's who we are. Because Jesus, he went to hell, he took back the keys of death, he gave us back our identity, and in this, on this earth today, people are struggling with identity. Oh my word. That is probably the number one thing that if, if we could just correct that, most of the world's issues, I don't think we would even need, like depression and all those wouldn't even be an issue. If we could correct people understanding their identity. We're struggling with it, and we do things so that we can become, oh, I'm, I'm this, I'm this, and they don't really know who they are, and so everything they do, every action that they have, they think that that identifies them, and then when that doesn't satisfy, they go try to do something else and do perform in another area, so then that will identify them. It doesn't work. We're watching it fail over and over and over. You know, when you're in high school, there's like all the different groups of kids. That's not who they are. It's just what they do. Oh, they're a jock. They play sports. Well, there's a lot of like really brainy kids who play sports. Right? There's a lot of really um, like soft, gentle kids who play sports. That can't identify them. That's just something they do. And they can bring their true identity into that. But we like to put that on their identity. It doesn't work. Because the only way to get our true identity is through Christ. He holds who we are. He knows exactly what we are, who we are created to be and what we are created to do because of that. He, he's the only one. You can't get that from your school. You can't get that from your mom. You can't get that from your dad. You can't get that from your generational line. The only place you can get that is through the blood of Jesus. If you're struggling with identity, increase your time you spend with Jesus. Increase your time in knowing who Jesus is and what he, what he has done and what he is doing. Okay. So... Jesus was our Savior, our sacrifice, our ransom. And our identity is found in him. That's who Jesus really is. He wasn't a man on a cross. He didn't just save us from hell. That's just a piece. What really was is he was our Savior, and he is our identifier. We identify through Christ. All right? So the last person I got for you guys, this one is fun. The Holy Spirit, guys. He works in us always. That's from the inside out. Jesus is like, I'm going to go so that you can have power always, not just when I'm walking with you. Okay? I felt safer, you know, my kids, when I was little, I felt safer, you know, in the dark when an adult was with me. When they weren't with me, I didn't feel safe. And Jesus is like, you know, I want you to always feel safe, so I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so that you always have him with you. You always feel safe. How good would that be? My life would have been different if I would have had an adult with me every time I had to go in the dark. I was terrified until like, you know, now, 
of the dark. <laughs> it's a little better. I've, you know, I've actually had, it's a lot better, but I, I was terrified of the dark and I was, everyone's like, you want to hunt? And I was like, do I have to go outside by myself in the dark? No, thank you. That's probably why I was, part of the reason I wasn't a hunter. They're like, you got to get up at five in the morning. Okay, I could do that. You know, you get to use a gun. That's cool. You got to go sit by yourself in the dark. I'm out of here. We're done. Not doing that. So when you look at the Holy Spirit, he said he's going to be with you always. Everywhere. You can't get away from him. Once you invite him into your life, he's there. And do you guys want to know what the primary function is of the Holy Spirit? He wants, he's there to help you discover the depth that, of God's heart for you. He's going to lead you to understanding and experiences to help us realize our full inheritance in Christ. That's what he's there to do. He wants to introduce you to the depths of God, God's heart because the Holy Spirit is God's presence. So he can actually know the depths of God's heart for you. <clears throat> I'm going to read in um, 1 Corinthians here 2. 10 through 13 in the Passion, it says, But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit. God is saying, if you have questions about God, he said right here that he will reveal his mysteries to you through the Holy Spirit, who constantly, constantly explores all things. You guys, Everything, right there. He explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace, has lavished upon us, and we might articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with words taught to us by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truth with Spirit-revealed words. When we say God is a mystery, right there God says, I don't have to be a mystery to you. Anything you want to know, you can know when you come, when you come with the Holy Spirit. He's, the Holy Spirit's designed to take us into all truth. He lets you know what's coming. He can unwrap the mysteries of God. And being filled with the Spirit is not just a one-time experience like, oh, I felt God when I got saved. I felt him when I got baptized, and I felt him when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh-uh. It's not just an experience. It is a it's measured in that overflow, that consistency. Sometimes you got to live out of your overflow, so you better make sure you're filling it up. Because if you get to a moment that you have not been being filled with the Holy Spirit and you need an overflow moment, now you need a miracle. And you're going to hope that, that God is saying, yep, you're getting a miracle today. But if we have that overflow, our needs... We're not going to have lack in that moment. Everything going around us, we can be like, I can pull from that overflow. It's that, cons that continual, not just an experience, but it should be an experience every day. When you wake up, when you go to sleep, when you're at work, you can experience the Holy Spirit continually. 
now. I know sometimes it can be hard to recognize the Holy Spirit. He is crazy. He does some things that you're like, I wouldn't do that. I'm too sophisticated. You know what I'm talking about because we have all been there. There's times that we have been embarrassed of what the Holy Spirit is doing with somebody else. (laughs) I think so. Um, Sometimes we can't recognize the Holy Spirit because we have limited what we perceive should be on the list of how he speaks to us, how he moves and what he does, and who he should be working with and in. So we limit that. We have this like small list of acceptable manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you're sad, it's okay if you cry up front. But if you start laughing crazy, we're all going to be like, I'm feeling a little, what's going on? Right? But you can cry. You can lift your hands if you feel the presence of God. No one's probably going to say anything to you. Got this small list. We say teeny tiny of acceptable manifestations. And then we push down and we condemn or we deny anything outside of that list. That can't be God. How do you know? Are you God? Have you ever, we have to, have you ever went to like, you know, fill out like maybe an application or something and it'll have like jobs or hobbies and like you're looking for like what your job is? And it's like saying everything, and then you, there's like it's not the, it's not in the description. There's like a thousand descriptions, and you're like, none of these are me. And then you have to put other. Oh, you have to put other. That's what we need to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Holy Spirit says, I don't fit in this list. Mark other. We don't know what's happening yet. I mean, he just isn't going to fit there. There's things that sometimes might fall on those lists, but he also works outside of that. Hmm. You know, he... Jesus was fully reliant on the Holy Spirit when he walked this earth. Um, And it fulfilled... And it helped him fulfill his call and his relationship with God. Um, And if he did that, then we should too. And I look at what we consider to be acceptable or what we consider to not be acceptable. Well, you know what? We've got to stop saying, well, this is how God's going to work. And we got to quit being embarrassed. You know what? If God said, you know, I don't don't know how it would be if we're like, if God, David came out dancing in his underwear, and we're like, God, that's not on the dress code. You better put that Holy Spirit back in your pocket, God. This is not on our dress code. You cannot let David do that. We would do that. I mean, I hope that if I ran in my underwear, somebody would say something and say, that maybe God put, could God take, you know. I mean, there are, but if he did, he did. I'm, I'm praying, Lord, don't manifest that way with me right now. Um, but you know what I mean? Oh, 
I can't believe when Paul wiped his head with a rag and gave it to people. You know, like people are, they're throwing rags at them and they're getting healed. That's unsanitary. Can't believe the Holy Spirit would manifest like that. You know, I don't really want Paul to walk past me with his shadow and Peter and all of them because I just don't feel like, like, God moving on me. I'm working right now, doing something, making dinner. I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to have to take that time. You know, that's really not in my time frame, God. God, do we really have to walk around this, this wall seven times? Look at, they're making fun of us. This can't be you, God. Can't be you. Now you want me to shout. I'm tired, I'm hungry, I've been walking. And now, now you're going to say that's the Holy Spirit moving? You're going to break walls down? God, could we just do something else? Like, could you just, like, wipe them out? No, we want it to be our way, and we don't like sometimes how the, the Holy Spirit manifests. It's embarrassing to us sometimes, right? I'm pretty sure when they were walking around the wall the, and they're being mocked and made fun of, I'm pretty sure that was embarrassing, right? Would you be embarrassed? I might be embarrassed if people, you know, like you're walking around and nothing's happening, nothing's happening, everyone's putting you down, they're yelling at you, they're probably spitting on you, they're probably throwing stuff, stuff we don't want to mention, down from the walls on you. And you're like, are you sure you want to do it this way, God? And he's like, yeah, I do. People shook when the Holy Spirit came on them. You know, the ground shook, it said. I don't know if this is God. You know, people might confuse it with an earthquake. You better not do this, God. We're telling God how he needs to manifest. And he's like, seriously, I'm setting you free. I'm setting captives free. I'm putting you in position to have victory. And you're worried about what people are going to think. I don't have a good voice. And the Lord's like, did I ask you? I know what I gave you. I can't, you know, ugh. This worship is just so long. And the Lord's like, yeah, and you know what? In there is your healing, but you went for 20 seconds, and you're like, I didn't get healed. And you get all mad, and the Lord's like, well, I was waiting for you. I was waiting for you. And that's what I'm talking about with the Holy Spirit. we got to quit just being like, oh, Holy Spirit, come. You know, do you really want him to come? Because it might look messy for you and me and the people around you. When you start laughing, sometimes when I start laughing, I can't stop. And I know it's the Holy Spirit just giving me joy. And I can't be embarrassed of that. I'm going to do the half raise the hand because I don't want people to actually see me praising God because I just don't do that. I wasn't raised that way. Well, yes, you were because supernaturally that's what you were called to do. And I'm getting excited about this. Because I think that if you want some breakthrough in your life, you want some change to happen, you have to start letting the Holy Spirit that lives in you come out of you and not be worried what everyone else is thinking. Do not worry what everyone else is thinking. Jesus, so many times, if he worried what everyone else was thinking, we would not be here today. We would not have salvation because he would have turned around and said, I'm not doing this. He healed people on the Sabbath. You know, he walked on water. He did crazy things. He, you know, put their mud in people's eyes. They did. I mean, it was just crazy things that happened. 
through him and through his disciples that the Holy Spirit was moving. People wept, they cried out, they danced. In 1 Corinthians, these are just some examples of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you know, so if you're a list person and you need some, at least we should be doing all of these. Right? I mean, if, you, if you're afraid to throw out that list and you're afraid to let the Spirit of God move on you, you know what comes with the fear of letting the Spirit of God move on you? Jealousy. I would say that's probably been the biggest pain and hindrance in my life of people being jealous of me. And you know why? It's, they're not jealous of me. They're just jealous that I'm okay with letting the Holy Spirit move. And that is really where the most of jealousy comes. I'm like, you guys, I don't live in no mansion. I don't drive a Tesla. You know, why are you jealous of me? You know where it comes from? It comes because the freedom of the Holy Spirit in me, and really, their heart is hungry for that. So if you're going to be on that list, person, then do these. Just do all of these, okay? And then you can, you can say, hey, this was awesome. You're going to experience God. If you do all of these, you're going to experience God in such a way that you're going to want more. You're going to want the manifestations in every single way. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, For example, the Spirit gives to one gift the word of wisdom. You're going to be super wise. To another, the same Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation of knowledge, words of knowledge. And to another, the, the same Spirit gives the gift of faith, walking on water right there. And to another, the same Spirit gives the gift of healing. And to another, the power to work miracles. And to another, a gift of prophecy. And the another, a, the gift to discern what the Spirit is speaking, to another the gift of speaking in different kinds of tongues. Oh no, I said it out loud in church. And to another the gift of interpretation of tongues. Remember, it is the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. Come on. I don't know if I believe in tongues. Well, that's not really my problem. I'm going to go. I'm going to take every single one of those things that the Holy Spirit gave, and I'm going to say, you know what? I know what comes with this power, anointing. It is amazing what God can do. There's lots of gifts, too many to fit in any list. That's why it's said in Corinthians, for example. When we hear the word for example, it means that it can't fit. You know what I mean? When your teacher gives you an example at school, it's because there's so many problems that could work in that. You know what I mean? They don't, there's no one plus one equals two, right? It, they are giving you an example because there's so many ways that you could get to there. So God did that. He said, for example, because you can't list everything. You know, on top of the gifts, there's other ways the Holy Spirit manifests. People wept, shook, trembled, danced, laughed. You have dreams, you have visions, prophecies. It's impossible to box up every move of the Holy Spirit. And I just, I'm going to quickly go through this because I know for time. He lives in us. He, he lives in me for my sake, but he rests and he falls on me at times and moves for your sake. The same with you. That's what he does for people. We need to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. We don't need to check and make sure that, you know, it is approved list. There's others watching you, and they want to see how you're stewarding the presence because that's for them, your children, your family, your community. The world is watching us, and Satan is waiting for you to downplay and box up what the Holy Spirit is doing. 
the identity of the cross, and ultimately the relationship with your Father. That's what he's waiting. When you push down the Holy Spirit and you say, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to listen. I don't think that's you. You're putting it in a box, and you, Satan is waiting for that because in that he will steal your identity. He will take back what was done on the cross. That's what he's waiting for. He's waiting to downplay and say, Jesus didn't do anything. And he's waiting to separate you from God. He wants to sever that relationship. And if we're too busy worrying about connecting with the Holy Spirit living in us, how are we going to have the presence of God living in us if we don't want the Holy Spirit living in us? People are drawn to us not because we're cool or awesome. I mean, we are. But you know what they're really drawn to? They're drawn to the presence of the Holy Spirit. They were drawn to, the disciples were drawn to Jesus not because he was like this super good-looking man and was rich and wealthy and had everything. No, they were drawn to the Spirit of God in him. John 4, 23 and 24. I'm going to wrap it up here with this. And it says, I already read this once, but I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. It says, From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and truth. The Holy Spirit cannot fit in your equations or your lists or your box. The Holy Spirit is God living in us, which is unpredictable, supernatural, powerful, and real. No, God wants to give you good things. No, Jesus is, your identity is wrapped up in him. And know that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And let him lead and take you to new places to explore. Open up fresh revelation that you've never seen before. The Trinity is not just words, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it brings relationship and it brings life and it brings power to you. You get to choose how much of it you want to access. So right now, I'm just going to release, if you want a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit, I say put your hands out or put them up. Don't be embarrassed. And we're going to pray that together right now. So, Lord, we just right now, as you just move in this room, what the needs are, I just ask you to pour out gifts on these people here today. I ask you to pour out the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I ask you to let them experience you in a new way. I thank you, Lord, that they don't know you through discipline, but they now know you through passion. I thank you for a fresh passion in there, a fresh filling, a fresh anointing to fall on them, a fresh hunger that they are going to go out and seek who Jesus is. They're going to go out and seek. They want to know you. They want to know more. I just thank you for that right now. I thank you that they will have amazing testimonies, amazing experiences that they're going to share in the next weeks and months. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.